um, you know, uh, losing is, is an everyday occurrence when it comes to, you know, you go into a game, you win as many as you can, you lose as few as you can, but it's, it's inevitable. You, you can't get away from losing. Right. And that, that fact teaches you a lot about how to process defeat, how to learn from defeat, how to um, move forward after a loss, so to speak. And that's not something that we generally get to practice a whole lot, right? Um, and so I look at sport as a built-in incubator for learning how to win, learning how to be a high, high performer and what goes into winning, right? It's a built-in incubator for learning how to, how to work in a team environment, how to, how to pursue an objective, how to collaborate with others, how to, how to value a role and how to contribute what you can to what we're all doing together. But it's also an incubator for learning how to lose smartly, like how to move forward from a loss intelligently, how to learn from a loss so that you don't repeat the loss. And we don't do that. Like that's not in other areas. It's not something that people can practice in very many places. Um, you know, for one thing, sport is not life and death, right? We're not, it, it, it's, you know, we hate to lose. And if you lose enough, like, you know, you might lose a job or you might, you know, uh, you know, be relegated or whatever. There are real consequences, but, but, you know, you're not, you're not dealing with, um, with life and death. And so it, it's kind of a, a, a great test area um, to learn the best way to learn from a loss. And I think that carries a lot of weight in the business world because you'll make a sale, you won't make a sale. You'll gain a client, you'll lose a client. You'll you know sign a contract, you'll lose a big contract. All of these different things, um, what happens next? Like what happens after you, you lose a big client and you're the leader at your firm? or a leader, what happens after, after one of your staff members, you know, makes a mistake and you lose a major client, what's the response? You know, if, if they have not experienced, you know, losing before all they've known is, you know, they've started their business. It's grown, it's grown, it's grown. That's great. Okay. What happens when you, when you, a big chunk comes out of it and you lose it, you know, we know all about losing. We know a lot about winning. And we know a lot about losing. And I think that that has a lot of value. Um, there's a lot of, of, of helpful information that we could, we could share about learning from a loss and moving on, learning from our mistakes, identifying the source, the real source of why we lost, right? It's not just, and I'm sure it's not surface level. There are real reasons behind it. How do you track back mm. to where the dominoes started tumbling in this direction? and making a change and being able to identify what change and being able to adapt and continue. And, you know, this is, you do that a lot after winning, of course, but you do it mostly after losing. And that's another area that I think we can contribute a lot to the business world. And at the end of the day, you know, we often forget, uh, you and I have been coaching what I've been in it for 30 odd years. So yourself been around for a while. We've lost a lot in that time, so we've learned a lot from that lot. Those losses, um, 
people sort of assume that, you know, we only think about the wins, but, we, you know, what, losing plays a major role in, in, in the learning process. And you are right. Um, we can help business in a lot of ways through, through, through those experiences, for sure. We, we really can. I think that it is an undervalued, um, you know, opportunity to um, share real life experience, you know, like that is at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, we would all love to go 82 and 0, you know, in the NBA, 82, 82 and 0, wouldn't that be great? Um, but that's not, that's not the world. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if we're fortunate enough to be in, in the game for long enough, we're going to experience undefeated seasons and we're probably going to experience, you know, winless seasons or, or, you know, very poor records in the win loss column. And it's, it's kind of the, the nature of the beast because frankly, most of the, you know, even the roles, like rarely do you walk into a championship environment. Most of the time you're walking into an environment where, you know, you have to either rebuild or, and th th that is very, very transferable to, to the corporate world. Um, in particular for new managers or, or new executive staff, you know, maybe there's a merger or an acquisition or some type of, of situation where, you know, unless you are the really the biggest fish, like the biggest, biggest fish, um, you know, the ones that are on the selling block are, are probably the ones that are, um, you know, going to need you the most to help usher in real change. And change is a state of fact for us in sport. It's constant change and it's constant change in business. And as much as, as much as now we're talking about what sports coaches can bring to the corporate world, I think that we as sports coaches and as leaders within this space you know, we can learn a lot from, from the corporate world. And I think we do. And I think that the corporate world learns a lot from us. I think there's a lot of sort of carryover, um, you know, and I would, I would encourage, um, I know that in some of, some of the experience that I've had, I, I've worked, uh, you know, with organiz business organizations, um, speaking on many of like, just exactly what we've talked about. And, um, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic to start to see how the dots can be connected in different ways. Um, and it doesn't have to be a major, a major company. It, again, it, it could be somebody just running a mom and pop shop or having a small business, you know, a, a small, you know, paving business, uh, or whatever the case may be. It, it doesn't really matter. It's all about the, the, the people. It's about the environment that the people perform in. It's about having a high performance mindset. And it's about being able to adapt and um, being able to respond effectively after a loss. And, you know, you know, we often tell coaches do after a loss, do not walk into the locker room until you're ready to walk into the locker room. Right. Mm. Because if, if, if you walk in and you're not ready, you're going to say or do something that is going to set you back. And, and it's the same thing. Like think, think about how relatable that skill is to anything, 
right? Like how you react to when your child does something. Like what is the, that thing is done now. What's the next play, right? How do, how do we learn from this? Um, so yeah, I think that's a really, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for uh, him having asked that one. Again, just quickly, I, I know we've got some viewers with us on Facebook. So if you do have a question for David, please, please pop it in the comments and uh, on the video and ask it. And we'll, uh, we'll make sure we, we, we get to it during the show. Um, this one is from Stephen and Darwin, and it's right in your wheelhouse, Doug. You're going to love this. This is, this, is, this is a basketball-related question, this one. Pure basketball-related question. Although, you know, it probably applies to a lot of, in broad sense. Uh, Stephen has a young player who has, in the past, been really good at shooting free throws. But in recent times, he's lost his confidence and it's impacting on the rest of his game. Can you suggest how Stephen could help this player to find their confidence again? I love it, Stephen. Um, that happens so often, uh, and it's such a real thing. It's I don't know if this is a common saying, uh, but you know we call it the yips, um, right? Where 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 you know someone just some like this, the, the easy, seemingly the easiest or something that someone was the best or really good at, really successful at, and they just can't seem to do it um, anymore. Uh, and, and, and once it takes root, it's really hard to, to, to get rid of. Um, I've had players, I had a college player once many years ago who um, started off the year great, like a six, seven, you know, strong athlete, very good around the basket. And we went on a road trip to Eastern Canada um, and uh, he had a good first game, had a struggled in the second game, had another bad third game. He couldn't finish near the basket. Just couldn't like for what just rolled off the rim the rest of the season. He, he, he could not like, like refine his footing um, at something that he was really good at. So it's a real thing. Um, it's a real thing. What, what I would say is that, you know, free throw shooting in our game is a um, little bit technical, whole lot mental. Uh, and, you know, it is the one time during the game, the one time during our game where there is nothing else happening on the court and everything is around one person. It's, it's the equivalent of a penalty kick. In, in, in soccer, um, nothing else is happening. So um, for a person to struggle at that really is about, as you say, confidence. Um, it's about, you know, uh, form and uh, maybe having a run of, of bad form. So here's, here's how I would, I would go about tackling, you know, this, this situation. The first thing I would do is I would, I would make sure to, to, to converse with the athlete. And because, you know, you got to put it out on the table, right? Um, you know, if, if, uh, if the, the young person is uh, pretending it's not happening, it's not going to help, you know? Uh, and so, it's, you know, it could be something like Jerome, um, you know, we've, you seem to be struggling at the line uh, recently, right? And um, let's talk about that. You know, how, how are you feeling? What's going through your head? 
Um, and, you know, they might share some really interesting information about how their body feels. Um, do, have you noticed a change in their technique? Um, what's their body language like, uh, you know, as they head up to the line, have they changed their, their, their routine? Um, are they starting to dread going to the line now? Are they starting to, to change, you know, their play style? Are they not attacking the basket as much because they don't want to get to the line? Like, these are all things that provided they're old enough to kind of process this stuff. Like you want to put on, you want to put on the table and, and you want to have a conversation about them. Um, I definitely think finding ways for the athlete to experience success um, is, is very important. So, you know, I think, I think putting them at the free throw line and working back up, you know, in an empty gym where there is no one else around um, and you and they, or they and their partner, or they and a teammate, whatever the right they is, or even by themselves. Um, but there's, you know, when it comes to that, it really is about repetition and the repetition will come with time. And so they need to put in the time and that could be shooting several hundred repetitions. Uh, you know, it could be, you know, over the next week, let's make sure we get, you know, 250 free throws again, depending on, on the age or the level, what their access is like, let's, let's get enough reps, let's get enough reps in and, um, you know, eventually, uh, as they shoot in a non-pressure environment, like you just got to dial it all the way back, shoot in a non-pressure environment, take the pressure out of it, um, and allow them to rediscover success, um, by getting repetition at something that, you know, if you have film, for example, if you have film of them hitting some free throws in a big game, say, um, play it for them. You know, like, hey, remember this? Like, this is still you, you know? This, this is still you. You did this. Mm. And if you did it once, you can do it again, right? Um, give them some some hope. Tell them, let them know that you support them. Let them know that, that you know, in particular, it sounds like this athlete was very good. So they might have been shooting 90 plus percent or something uh, from the free throw line and, and be like, I know you've got it. I know you could, you're still going to hit lots of free throws in your career. And if I had to choose anybody to put to the line, I'm still sending you. Give them that, that, that confidence and that, you know, coach believes in me. And if, you know, if, I might not believe in myself, but if coach believes in me, um, hey, maybe I need to believe in myself a little bit more as well. Um, so dialing down the pressure, um, you know, I, I think speaking truth is super important, obviously. So bring it, bring it up, put it on the table, talk about it, listen, uh, ask some, some good open, open-ended questions and see what, uh, see what, what the athlete brings forward about how they're processing, how they're thinking, how they're feeling, what their body feels like and, and all the rest of it. Um, and then, you know, give them, um, you know, let them know that, that what they need is repetition. Um, the repetition will bring confidence because repetition will lead to success. That is what will build their confidence and continue to, to let them know that you believe in them um, and that, you know, it's a big part of their game. Keep encouraging them to attack, keep encouraging them to get to the free throw line. Okay. Uh, take any opportunity that you can to, uh, to really, 
give them that boost of confidence and let them know that you and their teammates um, are behind them. Uh, and, um, you know, missing, a, missing some free throws doesn't change the fact that, um, that they are a good free throw shooter, that this is something that they bring to the team. And, um, you know, you're going to ride with them until they get it right. That would be some, some thoughts on, on where I'd start with them. Yeah, the yips are something. It, it, it does happen, doesn't it? it, it they are something. They are, and, and, and players go through periods in all sports of being up and down. I, I know from a coaching point of view that I once had a, a player who um, in a game was, was being beaten by their, their direct opponent, and, and it was a real struggle, but they kept fighting. And someone said to me, why didn't you take them off? And I said, because they'd never, they were so desperate to keep trying. You know, taking them off, I said to them, taking them off would have been worse than leaving them out there because they were still doing everything they could to try and win. It's just that they were, you know, it, it was just a struggle. But, you know, um, as I said, you know, you take that, if I'd taken her off, I said this at the time, I said, if I'd taken her off, I said, I possibly... I said I probably would have ruined her, destroyed her confidence even more at that time. I, ha- I And I felt that it was better to leave her out there and let her keep fighting because her efforts to keep fighting were probably doing us more good than not being there because at least she was yeah. showing the team that, hey, I'm getting beaten, but I'm still prepared to put everything in to try and do this. How about the rest of you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's a great point, Jerome. And, and I think that when it comes to fouling in basketball, there's there's always two sides of that coin. There's the person being fouled and there's the person who is fouling. And so, you know, uh, you know, one thing that I, I, I keep reminding players um, who are, you know, you know, you hear a lot about the they're typically big guys, but it's not always a big guy who shoots, you know, 50% from the free throw line or, or, you know, 60% from the free throw line, which is not in reality is not good. Um, but you know, and they get down on themselves, right. It's, it's, well, you know, look, you might've gone one for two. Um, but that foul is not coming off that other player. Mm. And that is another team foul. Mm. Uh, and so we're getting closer to bonus and, that player is saddled with another foul. Um, and so whether or not like you go one for two or you go two for two, or even if you go oh for two, that possession still has a net positive for our team because that opponent has a team foul. Um, that opponent player has another personal foul. And so we might not have scored, but we are adding something to our advantage in the battle for this game. Um, and so continue to be aggressive, continue to attack, continue to get yourself to the free throw line. And if you shoot enough, you know, over time, it's going to start working for you. And you've seen even the very worst free throw shooters, um, you know, and, and a lot of, some of these, some of these, these players are so big like the basketball is like a baseball in their hand or a softball in their hand. Like it's, and so, you know, it, it, it becomes, a, it's actually a little bit more biomechanically complicated to shoot when you're, when you're very big um, with giant hands, but you know, it's, 
it's still good for us for you to be this way. So continue to get the reps, continue to attack, continue to be aggressive because in one way or another, it is helping us. And it's providing them with a different perspective. It's not all about the outcome. It's not all about the one for two or the O for two or, or the, whatever the, the, the case is, you know, it's, they're seeing the value that they are bringing outside of just what they put up on the scoreboard at the free throw line. Uh, and so maybe that can help, you know, again, reduce some of the pressure, um, some of the, the anxiety, the stress, because, you know, the, the last thing you really want is for a player to get so wound up and anxious about going to the free throw line, where again, it is the one time where everything stops and everybody looks at them. Um, and, and, you know, there's no defense, like in theory, you should, you should be shooting a high percentage, uh, from the free throw line. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll get back to it if you just give them the appropriate space, the appropriate support, the appropriate repetition, the appropriate, you know, confidence, um, and continue to, to, to express your belief in them and your teammates' belief in them uh, and their teammates' belief in them. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it's going to put them in the right direction. Um, just quickly, uh, Lawanda Godfrey is watching us from Zambia. So, uh... Good to see you, Luanda. And and if you've got a question for David, please please uh, please ask us. So we, we're going all over the world again as usual. Um, there you go. I love it. Uh, this one's from Myrtle in Florida. Myrtle, uh, haven't Myrtle. heard that name in a while. Um, she asks, "Where is the future of sports coaching going?" Oh, that's you know that's such a great question, Myrtle. Um, I think that sports coaching is becoming more uh, technical in a lot of ways. Um, I think that it's 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 what I what I will call um, it's democratizing, and what that means to me is that opportunities are becoming uh, more varied, um, and uh, and so because of the expansion of different sport opportunities, like just in more teams, there are more more clubs, there's more opportunity. Um, it's creating uh, more options for pathways that people can follow uh, towards becoming a coach. I think that, you know, you're seeing it at the very highest level. I think that eventually that's going to be filtering down to other levels as well, outside of the very top. You know, again, if you think about the NBA, you have, you have many, uh, a number of the coaches, there are 30 NBA coaches in the world, and there's a number of them that have never played in the NBA. Um, you know, some of they've all, some of them may not have even played in college um, necessarily. You know, I think there's, there's a familiarity with the game that is brought because the game is becoming much more technical. And I think that's something that you see in a lot of different sports. Um, so somebody can conceivably travel their way to being a, a coach from a different pathway than needing to be an athlete, a high level athlete um, at that particular sport. And I, I don't think that's going to stop. And I think that's good um, because it's going to lead to more diversity uh, and, um, and a lot more opportunity in, in, uh, in, in coaching opportunities uh, or in the coaching, in the coaching industry. I think another thing I would say just, you know, trying to think ahead maybe is I think that coaches who are, um, you know, we're seeing the, the transition from, you know, I guess the 
quote unquote old school coaches to uh, newer, I don't know how else to say it, but new school coaches. Um, but it, it, what it really is, is, is like the death of transactional coaching. Um, and, and that's, in my opinion, that's a good thing. Um, I think that the, the transformational, you know, element in coaching is not going away. Uh, I think it's something that we need to demand, uh, of our coaches. It's something we need to have as a standard within our community of practice, uh, of coaches. Um, and, uh, it, I think it's a matter of time until that filters its way out. Because um, currently, I think we see that a lot in the structures. Um, so in the, you look at your national, you look at your high le- higher level, you, you hear the same things. It doesn't matter what the sport is. You know, I could listen to a softball coach or I could listen to a, um, you know, a cricket coach. And I hear a lot of the same things. Um, expressed in slightly different ways uh, but it's all about it's about environment it's about people it's about standards it's about you know you know the the things that they do together this is all human coaching um you, you of course don't hear quite you know quite that quite as much as you get into the lower grassroots level because now the, the training and the, the knowledge, the information, the expertise is, is not as available there. Um, and so that is going to filter out uh, into the system, into the, the, the broader sports world. And I am very, very, very much looking forward to the day where um, our grassroots coaches uh, really take and implement a transformational approach to coaching. Uh, they are under 14, um, you know, badminton team. And I think it's, it's, it's the future. Um, I, I, I don't want it to go any differently. Um, I just, uh, uh, you know, I think we all need to do our part to, to try and accelerate that process uh, so that it's not just the, um, you know, the elite structures, or it's not just the high level coaches or high level teams. It's everyone because everyone deserves a great sporting experience, a great coaching experience. Um, and when it comes to youth, um, every child who is being coached deserves and, uh, and, and needs a great coach and great coaches are transformational. And so, that's why we do what we do in part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that for me is is a major piece of what the future of coaching looks like. I completely agree with you on that. Um, it is that is the future of transformational coaches. Coaches being more than just simply what you say, transactional, where they're coaching a team in order to get us get a certain a player in order to get a certain uh, result out of them skill wise. This is this is about helping. Uh, shape uh, and develop players on and off the field. Um, that's no doubt. That is that is the future of the game. I totally agree with with what you say. Um, right there, for sure. Yeah, you know, I I um, I spent some time talking with a, a coach of a post secondary team um, this weekend, and you know the. One of the things that 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 uh, we we spoke about, you know, as you know, the team has been struggling 
Um, and there, there are various things happening there. But one of the, you know, a lot of the focus uh, from the comments was, okay, so, you know, focused on here, we're going to, we're going to do X, Y, Z and watch film and do this and, and, and do that. And, and that all that stuff is important. Right. And, you know, talking about the coachability of the athletes. Um, and, you know, my response to, to that, frankly, was, I, I think that that's a really lazy way of looking at, at what the coaching process is. It's, it's centering the responsibility on the athletes to be coachable. They share a piece of the responsibility. The responsibility on the other piece of that equation is, are the coaches actually coaching in ways that the athletes are going to receive? are receptive to. And that is what makes it a relationship. Um, that is what makes it a, uh, a partnership. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it, it's very transactional to say, uh, you know, the players aren't coachable mm. because it's like, I will give, you will receive. It is, it is what, the educational system has been for a very, very long time. The professor at the front, just providing knowledge um, and everyone else just absorbing it and, and then going forth and doing something. And, you know, don't get me wrong, the Socratic method, you know, and sort of that lecture method, I, it, it's, it's great. There needs to be that sort of back and forth, that questioning, that learning through inquiry is very, very important. But when it comes to coaching, and trying to connect with your athletes, it cannot be a transaction. It cannot be a, I give you take. It has to be, you know, what do you actually need from me as the coach? What do you need as the player from me as the coach to help you be better? Sometimes that's more of me. Sometimes that's less of me. Sometimes that's it, like, but we have to figure that out. And you know, coachable players, every, every athlete is coachable. I, 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 I will say this. I, I don't enjoy hearing coaches say the players aren't coachable. And, I and I, I'm sure I've, I, yeah. And I, I've said it myself and, you know, certainly um, at some stage, but every athlete is coachable. Every athlete is reachable. It's, it's about whether or not you can reach them, whether or not you are reaching them. And whether or not you are partnering with them to try and make that happen. You can't go all of the way. They can't go all of the way. There needs to be some type of a partnership and a real partnership is where you meet in the middle or, you know, something of that nature. So, um, you know, the, that is what transformational humanistic coaching is all about. It's all about their needs, not my needs. You know, me sitting back, standing at the front and saying, Oh, if, if only you would do what I said, it would work, you know, well, maybe, maybe not, but that's probably not going to be very helpful, uh, of a perspective to take, right. That is, I give you take, you do period. There's no relationship. And that is not, that is not good coaching. So, um, you know, the, that, that transformational element is, is really hard to stand by when things go wrong, right? It sounds great in theory. And, you know, it, 
looks great in a presentation and you know it's it's um but when when stuff hits the fan and you're losing games and it's and you're not performing well in even in losing you're you're not playing well it's just bad like it, it's bad body language bad everything's just bad right um that's when you have to double down on this it's not when you you turn into mr transactional um it's when you have to double down on this transformational element. And the more we do it, the better we get at it, the better we get at it, the more we do it and so on. It's a virtuous cycle. And the more other coaches see us do it, the more they'll do it. And that is part of how we expand, um, you know, this, this, this idea out into the broader system. A um, couple more questions to wrap up, wrap it up. Uh, this one's from Muhammad in Qatar. Uh, he asks what, do you think is the most important piece of technology the coach can use today? Yeah, fantastic question. I think video is the, it's the inescapable, you know, partner, uh, the inescapable tool in what we do as coaches. I think video, good, good video skills, um, the ability to, to, to decipher the video, to, to, to identify things that the athletes can learn from video, being able to translate video is, it, it, I mean, it's almost, you know, it's, it's in the top two or three skills um, of what a coach needs to have in their toolkit, right? Um, in my opinion, because, you know, we as coaches, we watch video and we see what we see and we see with coach eyes and we think with coach brains and it's always been this way but i think today we are more uh, open to the idea that our our athletes are not going to think the game in the same way as us and this is the key part and that's okay it's it's not about making them into mini coaches it's about us translating what we see on video into what is applicable by the athlete on the field of play. So video skills, uh, you know, in terms of the most important piece of technology, video. Good video, um, high quality video, the ease of being able to, 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 to manage the video, to, to cut it, to clip it, to, to share it, to watch it. Um, I, I recommend to all clubs and, and, and groups to make sure that they have an integrated uh, video management, video sharing, video watching system, whatever the system is. There are a lot of different ones out there, um, but you need something that will allow your, your team, your, your program to incorporate video into the process. Because uh, I think that is the most important one. Uh, in terms of in terms of technology, um, I would I would go with that one. Um, the last question is from Joanne in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's a relevant one. Uh, how important is inclusion in sport to you? It's everything. It, it's it, it is absolutely everything, Joanne. And um, it, it can take it, it needs to take every form. Uh, inclusion of every type because sport is really um 
at its root meant to be entirely democratic, meritocratic. Like it doesn't matter who, what, when, how sport is for everyone. Uh, and, you know, I think that, that having intentional, um, programs that promote inclusion, diversity, um, and that promote understanding uh, is, is absolutely critical uh, to sport. I think that sport is an agent of change. Um, I think that sport needs to be leveraged as an agent of change, uh, as an agent of inclusion, as an agent of, of promoting diversity. Um, I think that, uh, you know, this is an important role for us to play as sports people and as a sporting community. So I think it's incredibly important, whether that's, um, you know, gender or race or indigenous communities, um, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, immig you know, immigrants, sport is something that can connect and bind and unite us uh, in a lot of different ways. And we, we need to be thinking about ways to leverage the, that connection beyond just, you know, going down to the, to the pitch and watching a game and then, you know, being next to each other and, and, and wearing the same scarf or the same Jersey and, and celebrating together or, or mourning together and then walking away and, and then being at each other's throats or ignoring other people's plates or, like when we when we walk away from the stadium, I, I I think sport has such tremendous potential um, to build real bridges between people that extend beyond sport um, into into our lives, like into our real lives, uh, so to speak. That you know, it's super important that we don't waste our opportunity um on this so i think organizations have a real responsibility to make inclusion diversity um a uh an intentional key plank uh in uh in the platform of of what it is that they do as an organization we should be finding ways to diversify our hiring we should be finding ways to diversify our our um our membership to diversify the services that we provide to different groups and different um, demographic, um, you know, different demographics. So it's not going to happen by itself. It has to be something that we, has to be a decision that we, that we make, something that we work at intentionally. Uh, but to answer your question specifically, very important. Uh, and I challenge um, all sports people uh, and, and sport organizations uh, to get real serious um, about this because our, our communities and our societies um, are stronger uh, when we are um, united and when we have uh, you know, a diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of, of, of ability and skills. And um, we should all be looking for ways to, to help bring that about. Well, once again, thank you to our viewers for the questions. Thank you to David for being here as part of the Thinking Coach again. Uh, 
again, we'll, it's an, another great show, some different types of questions today. So I say to all our viewers out there, keep them coming because it's, it, it's good. It's good. And uh, we look forward to uh, being back again next week um, with the Thinking Coach and some more Q&A. Absolutely, Jerome. Thank you. Thank you to everyone uh, for sending in the questions. Uh, please keep them coming. As Jerome said, it's a, it's a great, it's a great platform um, for us to, to share some, some, some interesting questions uh, and uh, really thought provoking ones um, that, uh, you know, everyone out there is helping me get better um, because I, you're asking me to, to reflect on some things and and I, I appreciate I appreciate you guys doing that uh, quite a bit. So keep them coming. Looking forward to the next one, Jerome. Thanks, David, and we'll catch you all again next week.